0: About 12 or 13, I guess, my daddy took me and my little brother, I guess he was seven or eight, took us frog gigging. Now, that's a Mississippi thing right there. But we were excited. I'd never been before. So we waited till nighttime. It was a moonless, dark night. We went out to this old, snaky bayou. And as soon as I stepped out of the truck, I heard this buzzing. And I started feeling this sting all over. Do you know... Does anybody know what the Mississippi State bird is? Mosquito. <laughs> the mosquitoes. Them boogers about this big, you know. One of them got me on the forehead, and I had the flashlight in my hand, and I didn't think about it. I went to scratch. I, poof, knocked myself out, you know. And, and I knew my little brother Heath was going through the same thing because I could see his flashlight shining all over the place, you know. And I know I put two doses of mosquito spray on. It didn't do nothing to make him drunk. <laughs> So, so we went down to the water's edge where my dad had the little John boat and uh, he said, you got your, your gun there, boy? And I said, yes, sir. He gave me a little four ten single shot, you know, and, and he said, you better load it up. I said, yes, sir, and I broke the the breech and I put a shell out of my pocket and put one in there and I was so happy. I didn't know what I was going to shoot, but I was ready to shoot something. You know, I love going hunting with daddy. Even if it's gig. I didn't know if we shot frogs or how'd this work, but I had a gun. So we got in the boat and, uh, we pushed out a little bit. And Daddy said. And then Daddy told me, he says, if you see any snakes trying to get in the boat, you shoot them. And I thought to myself, in the boat? I looked back at my little brother. He's seven or eight years old, and his eyes about this big. You know. <laughs> and Daddy said, let me show you what I'm talking about. And he got his flashlight, and he shined across that bow. You could see two or three snakes swimming across the water, them little beady eyes shining back in the light. You could see some on the low-hanging branches, like the... Cypress trees and stuff and I was really rethinking this whole frog eating thing. I was like daddy Can we just go home and eat? <laughs> but but I wanted to try to be brave for daddy and then about that time we heard this ribbit Ribbit now we were hearing all kind of ribbit ribbit ribbits and you know buzzing and all that stuff going on But there was this really low ribbit. And daddy said oh, there's Kermit That's that that's that big boy. I've been wanting to get all year. We're gonna get him tonight I said, all right, all right. So we started paddling across the water, you know, and uh, we got out to the middle, and I looked over, and there was a snake coming upside the boat. So I cocked at 410. I said, boom, water just busted up everywhere, went all over us. So the snake barrel rolled and sunk down to the bottom, and my daddy reached back and swatted me with the paddle. <laughs> I said, what? He said, boy, I told you, don't shoot them unless they're trying to get in the boat. <laughs> I said, Okay, okay. So, so we continue to paddle, and he's checking the bank, you know, for that big old frog. We saw a couple little ones, but I, he he had his mind set on Kermit. And finally, his light shined across the biggest frog I'd ever seen in my life. It looked like a grown man squatting over there. I mean, it was, it was huge. And so he said, Shh, "Here we go." We started paddling over. He had a frog gig thing as a pole with some three. Uh, stakes on the end of it, you know, and he had it in his lap. He had his flashlight on his helmet, and he was keeping that flashlight on that frog because for some reason they saw that light they would just freeze in it. And he started paddling over there. But before we got there, this big old ugly, fat-headed, black water moccasin comes slithering up and gets in front of old Kermit and coils up like he's ready to strike. And I said... And Daddy was in front of me. He was going toward it, and I couldn't get a shot. I said, abort, abort. I was telling Daddy, Daddy, I can't get a shot. And he's like, Daddy didn't care. He had that frog on his mind. He was going to get that frog. So he raised up that big frog gig, and as he just about he got there, that snake raised up, and, and that snake just struck out, and Daddy struck out, and it, oh, oh, the horror of it all. <laughs> And I'll tell you the rest of that story as we go on, but it was something else, man. You ever been frog gigging? I hate snakes. I know some of you pet snakes, some of you raise snakes, maybe not in here, but maybe on the live stream. I've seen people that raise them or something. I'm sorry, but if you let them out in my yard, I'm going to shoot them with a 410. ever since I saw that story in Genesis about the devil being in the likeness of a serpent like a snake he came in and deceived Adam and Eve he's the one that led to the sin problem he took and twisted God's word of course Adam made his own choices we all do don't we and sin entered into the world and I'm telling you We don't realize what a problem sin is. I think we we don't understand. It's bigger than we first thought. I bet if we sat on the throne in heaven in God's place for just two minutes, we wouldn't be able to take it. All the things that he sees on a daily basis because of sin. It's venom. Sin is the snake's venom. God hates it because it kills his children. Well, anyway, have you ever seen the symbol on an ambulance? Could you put that up there, Mary Ellen? I saw that one day, and and many of you probably already know, but bear with us that that we're going to figure this out one step at a time. What is that? It's a snake on a pole. What's that got to do with an ambulance? i've always wondered that it's some kind of cross-looking deal with a snake on a pole and i thought to myself that doesn't instill confidence in me where did that come from because i hate snakes <laughs> makes me not want to get in the ambulance i hope i never have to but let's turn to numbers chapter 21 and we're going to find out what this symbol is what it really means and why they would use a snake on a pole somebody say amen Numbers twenty one, verses four through nine, I'll read it to you. Now this is, you know, Moses has brought the children of, of God, the Israelites, out of slavery in Egypt with ten mighty plagues, and, and they went through the Red Sea on dry ground, whereas Pharaoh's army was drowned, and they've seen all these miracles and such, and and now they've been in the wilderness. It's a time of testing. Do you know your life is a time of testing? You know that I call this existence that we have on earth, this little 80, 90 years we may live or whatever we have down here, I call it the valley of the shadow of death. Because this is the worst we'll ever see as Christians, right? And this is the valley. And it's a time of testing. And so God, he, he gave them freedom from their slavery But he had to test them to see if they was ready to go into the promised land in style. You know what I'm saying? So they've been out in the wilderness a while. And it says, Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around to the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient. One translation says they grew discouraged. Maybe some of you... Are growing impatient. Many times I do. Maybe I get discouraged about some things. Maybe you do too. And you know how we begin to realize we're getting discouraged and impatient? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaketh. The people grew impatient with the long journey. You know it's a long journey, right? And they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There's nothing to eat here. There's nothing to drink. And we hate this horrible manna. Do you know, once you start complaining, it's hard to stop. If you get around complaining, folks, you liable to start right up with them. And you'll start complaining about things that don't even need to be complained about. They called manna bread from heaven, and these people were complaining about it. I bet it was the best tasting stuff you ever had in your life. But God don't like complaining. And you got to be careful. Because the Bible says your tongue can light a forest fire. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And and God's trying to show them, you complaining, you think you just complaining, but really you complaining about me. You realize that? Well, I don't like my life. I hate my job. But God gave you a job and God gave you a life. Just because you hadn't made the most of them. (laughs) You need to stop complaining and start Following God's plan, maybe. But God don't like complaining. They said, we hate this horrible manner. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes (laughs) among the people. And many were bitten and died. Sounds like he takes it pretty serious. Then the people came to Moses and cried out. You see? (laughs) You realize how bad you got it when... When you make God mad, they came. The people came to Moses and cried out, "We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and Moses, and the Lord and against you. Pray the Lord will take away these snakes." Do you have any snakes in your life? You may not literally have any snakes in your life, but down here in the wilderness, we live with snakes. You cut that TV on, there's liable to be a snake talking to you as soon as you do. Huh? Wherever you go, you're liable to step on a snake somewhere. You're liable to get bit if you ain't careful. You You got to watch out down here in the valley of the shadow of death. And they said, pray that the Lord will take away these snakes. But you know what? God didn't take away the snakes. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. He said, I pray not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them in the world from the evil one. You see, the snakes are going to be here. They're for our time of testing. Then the Lord told him, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. There goes the snakes again. And all who are bitten will leave, live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole, and then anyone who was bitten by the snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. So imagine you're, you get in your tent. Oh, God, man. Oh. Shake that snake off. Where's the pole? Where's the pole? And then they've. They gazed upon that snake. And as they set their attention on the snake on the pole, they were healed. So I can kind of see where the ambulance thing comes from now. It's a symbol of healing, the snake on a pole, right? Did, how many of y'all knew that really? A couple? That's where that ambulance symbol comes from. But why a snake? Why did God say lift up a snake? Well, Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 14, talking about what had happened back then, he says, As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. In other words... Jesus said, I'm going to be lifted up. And if you'll gaze on me, you'll be healed. And isn't that what happened? They lifted him up. And if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we'll be healed. We'll be delivered. We won't die. Literally, we won't die. We'll be given eternal life. vaccinated from all death to come but still why the snake that even makes it more confusing why would jesus equate himself with a snake doesn't make sense i mean here he is righteous holy and true loving and kind and he's equating himself with that old serpent the devil that venomous beast, that nasties crawl around in the dust, no good, let's not get into it. Why would Jesus say, look at, look at that pole. Why would, why, would, why would the snake, why the snake? I don't understand snakes. Well, I found the answer. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. How many's ready for the answer? Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, for he, meaning God, made him, meaning Jesus, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and God. Jesus became our sin. Did you know that? It wasn't just the physical torment that he suffered, which was horrible. It wasn't just the mental torment of being deserted by his disciples and being all alone and the dusty dogs of death surrounding him and and mocking him and spitting on him and the blood flowing down in his eyes from the crown that they had pressed down on his brow. It wasn't just that. It was that God imputed our sin on on Jesus. The sin that I committed yesterday and the sin that I'll commit tomorrow. The nastiest, lowliest sin that's unmentionable, that we can't speak of. That's happening somewhere in the world right now. Jesus became that. Despicable. Despicable. So so much so that the Father could not look upon His Son, but only pour out His wrath against that sin. So much so that Jesus, who had never been separated from the Father, cried out, My God, my God, why have Thou forsaken me? Jesus became my sin. He who knew no sin, never had sinned, The righteous for the unrighteous. The immortal for the mortals. God stepping down into his creation and dying for those he created. I grew up with a religious background. I thought you were supposed to say a certain amount of Hail Marys, then you could be forgiven. I I bargained with God growing up. I I didn't really know him, but if you would ask me, i said, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. It wasn't until I, and if, if you'd have said, you know Jesus died on your cross? I'd have said, oh yeah, I know he died on the cross. I knew about that. I knew the stories. I could quote them to you. But it wasn't until I sat in a church where they explained to me that it was not his cross he was dying on. It was mine. It was not his sin that he was paying the debt for. It was mine. And even and that's when I got saved. That's when I went whole hog. That's when I realized that I gotta stop bargaining with God. This isn't a religious thing. This is a real relationship. Somebody loves me that much. It's willing to become my sin. And suffer my wrath. The torment that was waiting for me has been removed. Oh, I got saved. Most of you are saying, Yeah, you've been whole hog, Pastor. <laughs> I ain't never seen nobody whole hog like you. I'm whole hog. I preached a whole sermon on whole hog. You remember? I'm whole hog. I'm not ashamed. Of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Greek. Everybody, everybody, who anybody, he's saying, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's for you. That blood was shed for you. If you truly come comprehend what happened on that cross and you don't go whole hog I don't know what to say to you I don't know if there's a prayer I can pray for you if you Jesus must be lifted up in John chapter 12 verse 32 he said when I'm lifted up from the earth and we know that to be on the cross I will draw everyone to myself he said this to indicate what death he would, what kind of death he would die and he's telling us the secret we got to preach the cross we got to tell people when they see what happened on that cross they will repent they will see his love it'll stop being a religious thing It won't be trying to earn my way to heaven anymore. We'll see that the sin debt has been paid in full. And now all I got to do is receive it. My heart will be sorry. It will soften the hardest of hearts. Because I'm telling you, my heart heart was kind of hard. But instantly, I was melted by the love of Christ. So we got to, our job as Christians is to lift up Jesus to remind them what what the cross really means. How do we lift him up? Well, we lift up our story for God's glory. You. Share your testimony. Say we tell them. Romans ten fourteen says, "How can they hear if there's not a preacher?" And guess what? You've been called ambassadors for Christ. You're His mouthpiece. We got to go tell them. Somebody says. Well, I don't know about all that. Don't you remember when you got saved? The joy. Don't you remember the the weight taken off your shoulders of all that sin? You were forgiven. You were given a fresh start. You, You have an overwhelming assurance that you won't spend eternity in hell. You know that you have eternal life. And you're free. For the first time. You're adopted into God's family. If you can't just begin to tell somebody about what happened to you, that just don't make sense. (laughs) But when we tell, that's lifting Jesus up. What do you need to tell them? Jesus is the only way. Don't compromise that. Don't say there's many ways to heaven. It's not. There's one way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. You just tell him he's the one way. He's the only bridge between a sinful man and a holy father in heaven. He hung between earth and heaven. And that cross is the bridge. Just tell him he's the creator that stepped down into his creation to die for him. And then explain how to receive salvation. Look, there's not a lot of points to this. Share your testimony and tell him that Jesus is the only way and that, that you need Jesus. If you don't know how, there's, we got a thing back there in that basket on the connect desk that tells you the basic premise of the scriptures that tell you how to, to receive your salvation. But then close the deal, you know? Some of us are waiting. It's like, well, when I learn enough scriptures or, or if I go to seminary school or if I get a little more courage, I'm going to tell somebody. No, you tell them right now. You tell them where you're at. You tell them what you know. And you share what you got. that's how you grow if not you'll never tell them I'm just gonna be honest with you if you won't tell them where if you won't be faithful with a little you won't be faithful with a much because you won't have much you happy with a little give away your little that you may have much you start telling people just share your testimony just tell them what you know that you gotta have Jesus pretty soon it'll be you'll be getting good at it (laughs) You, you oh my goodness, what's it like, Joe, to have a room full of people stand up, a room full of men stand up and give their heart to Jesus? There's, there's, there's no, there's no going back from there. How do you go half hog after that? After you see maybe a friend or a lover, maybe a kid, maybe one of your children receives Christ, receives eternal life. How do you go back from that? Close the deal. Tell them with your mouth. It'd be like if if poisonous snakes suddenly inhabited all of Horn Lake and South Haven and Hernando, all of Mississippi, everywhere you go, and people are getting bit and dying. And Sarah, everybody's don't know what to do. They're trying to be careful. And maybe you're going home one day and you're opening the garage. And as the garage door is coming up, oh, there was a snake in there and it bit you. And you swing it off. Oh, my goodness, what do I do? Everybody's dying from this. I don't know what to do. And you go to get in the car. Uh, i got to go to the hospital. But as you get towards your car, you're starting to feel uh, weak. And the effects of that venom is getting you. And you fall down to your knees. And you're about on your last breath when some man taps you on the shoulder and says drink this and you drink it you say what is this he says it's the anti-venom it's not only the anti-venom but it's the vaccination against all bites to come and suddenly all at once your strength returns and you climb back to your feet and you say thank you Thank you so much. He says, I got more of this than you can give away. Just go tell them where it's at. Here, you you take some and you go give it out. What are you going to do? You're going to give it out. Are you going to give it out? Give it out. <laughs> Amen. Well, how come everybody ain't giving it out? I feel like crying right now. We have the anti Because all the effects of sin and the devil and hell that awaits people. We have the vaccination. We have the words of eternal life. It would be ridiculous for me to receive it and have it to give, but watch my children get bit and say, well, at least I'm going to heaven. Watch my friends and my family down on their knees. The effects of this world too much on their shoulders and me not tell them. Give them the anti-venom. How do we lift up God? We not only tell Him, but we act out His story for His glory. We show Him. Say, we show Him. Some people just want to show Him. I'm just going to be real nice, but I don't know about that telling them stuff. No, these work hand in hand. you got to do both. But you got to show them so they'll want to hear what you got to say. That makes sense? They work hand in hand. Our actions as Christians demonstrate the love of God. Jesus says, Greater love is no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends, right? And maybe God's not asking us to really lay down our life to death. He's not asking us to jump up on the cross right now. But could we lay down some of our lives? When the, the occasion arises, could we could maybe skip a meeting to speak with somebody who's feeling suicidal? Could we leave work early to come talk to our, our daughter because she just broke up with her boyfriend and she's going through a hard time? Could we begin to lay down pieces of our life so that we could demonstrate this love and this love? is the anti-venom. You understand? It's the only force in all of creation that can overcome death, hell, and the grave. And it did. The love of God, His name, is Jesus. If we just lay down our plans, and, and sometimes it's just having the courage to, to not worry about some rejection. Yeah, you may be rejected. Maybe you tell a co worker, and I don't believe in all that stuff, and they go tell somebody, there's a old oh, Jesus freak over there. I would wear it as well, a badge of honor. <laughs> somebody that's been, that, that doesn't have the anti venom, that's going to be bit and go to hell, going to make fun of somebody that has that, trying to give them the anti venom? That's on them. We plant and we water and God brings the increase. But we have a responsibility. We have, we have a part to play in God's kingdom. We need to be lighthouses. We need to put people in proximity of Jesus. They can't see him. He's, he's seated at the right hand of God right now, but he's poured out his spirit in us. And they need to see Jesus when they see us. Last week, you remember, I told you the story about we Zacchaeus and he climbed the tree. You remember to see Jesus? And it was over there on the wall somewhere. <laughs> and, and and Jesus said, he, he stopped the crowd. And he said, come on down, Zacchaeus. I'm going to eat at your house tonight. And it says they went to his house and his disciples and the Pharisees was Oh, I can't believe he's eating with sinners. He was bringing Antichrist to the bitten. And he went in there. And it didn't say Jesus says, well, okay, I'm the Savior. Uh, You've got to confess me as your Lord. you got to follow me. Take up your cross. Jesus didn't say anything. It was just being in proximity of, of Jesus that Zacchaeus began to confess and repent. Oh, if I've cheated anybody, I'm giving them back four times as much. Oh, I'm giving half of everything I got to the poor. I repent of this lifestyle that I've lived. It wasn't because Jesus had to say anything. It was because Jesus was admitting the love of God because he was the love of God. Now, I'm not saying Jesus wouldn't have said something if it would have been needed. But many times just demonstrating the love of God and bringing them into proximity of Jesus. You remember we talked about the Apostle Paul, how he was riding his horse, and he was a Pharisee. He was His name was Saul at the time. And he was persecuting, killing church members. And then Jesus, in a great light, knocked him off his high horse. And he hit the ground. And the first thing he said, he didn't say, uh, who is this? He he called him Lord. He said, Who are you, Lord? He confessed him as Lord before he ever even even talked to him. It was the light of God. It was enough. He knew that if that light was shining that bright, it had to be real. And that light can shine on you. You're a city on a hill. If you follow him, you'll never walk in darkness. But you'll have the light of life. And you'll be a carrier of this life. Everywhere you go, people will want to talk to you. Why are you not upset in this situation? Why are you not panicking? What is this that you believe that causes you to to live in such joy? How do you have faith in the midst of all your trials? It's that light that the people need. Bring them into proximity of Christ. What about the the two thieves on the cross next to Jesus? Both of them were railing on him at first. They were both, ah, go ahead and get us down from here if you think you're God and all that. A bag of chips. But one of them must have looked over for a moment or two and saw Jesus. lifted up. Because he stopped talking like that. He told the other guy, hey, he ain't done nothing. See, he hadn't done nothing. He hadn't done nothing but good. Go around loving people. And they crucified him for it. And he became our sin. And this guy just recognized it, just being in proximity to Jesus. He said, don't, don't we deserve what we're getting. Don't we all? This man has done nothing wrong. He's the only one that's lived this life without sin. He said, would you remember me when you enter your kingdom? Jesus said, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Just being in proximity of Jesus. You are the light of the world. You anti-venom carrying people. you, You whole hog courageous, bold witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your life. You. Hmm. Testimony telling. Bold. Courageous witnesses for Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2.9 says we're a chosen generation. That was true back then when he wrote it 2,000 years ago. And it's true today. You were born for such a time as this. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises. Say proclaim the praises. That's really what we got to do. We got to proclaim the praises in every avenue made available to us. With what we have, all this within us, cries and proclaims the praises of the Lord Jesus Christ. Proclaim his praises. The praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Did you forget? I'm here to remind you where you was and where you are now. Well, my daddy, he was sitting on the front of that boat. He was going to put that frog in the boat. He didn't care about no snakes. Y'all know daddy ain't afraid of snakes. If you're in the boat with daddy, he ain't afraid of snakes. You shouldn't be either. Daddy reached up with that frog gig and he slammed it down into that frog and about the same time, that big old black water moccasin struck out, and, and I saw his fangs. And I said, oh, God. And the fangs grabbed a hold and, and began to shake and twist. And I said, oh, Lord. <laughs> the horror of it all. I was about to, I about to fall out. And I looked back, and my little brother was in shock. You <laughs> know, He was shaking, some years old. But then I realized the snake had only grabbed the pole. And he shook that snake off. And he whopped it in the head with a boat paddle. (laughs) Whooped it in the head, smushed it in the dirt. He took that frog and laid it in old poor Heath's lap. (laughs) A big old frog. And we got out of there with the prize. We came out of there with the prize. Because daddy ain't afraid of snakes. And if you're in the boat with, with daddy, you don't need to be afraid either. You're bringing darkness to this dark, snaky bow called earth. You're bringing light to this dark, snaky bow. I'm sorry. Please don't be bringing darkness. <laughs> 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 bringing light. You know, God, maybe he don't need you to walk on water. But he does need you to be willing to lean out of the boat every now and then. To rescue somebody from this snaky old place. It's not hard. And maybe you're thinking, I don't know. Pray about it. Ask God. You can do it. Take baby steps. But just get the ball rolling. Just take baby steps. Just just begin to change your attitude around people. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed of the gospel anymore and ask God for boldness ask the holy spirit to lead and guide you and you'll be filling that that boat with frogs for you know it thanks for listening to the podcast today we hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out god's word